everyone welcome back to dad space you know the podcast for dads by dads we had a couple dads sitting around talking about uh, father's day that just happened um and a couple canadian dads there you go even better right we can say a boot and uh, a a lot we can do all that uh mark gordon is joining me um from the other side of canada from where i am and he's an author he's a great leader thought leader helps a lot of great people and mark so glad to have you here on dad space welcome to the show oh thank you so much uh, david it's just such an honor to join you and and uh just really appreciate your heart and uh yeah two canadian dads who would have thunk right like <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to make sure that we speak in terms that everyone in the world can understand so we might slide into a little bit of canadianisms here and there but hey. yeah if you hear if you hear the odd a after a sentence you'll know <laughs> or if we say sorry a lot sorry, sorry yeah. about that sorry if we say sorry you know that yeah, so- happen. <laughs> that's awesome yeah Tell everybody it's, where you are, Mark, in the world. Yeah, so I'm in Kelowna, British Columbia, in, in, in BC. I'm about four hours from the coast, uh, Vancouver area. And so um, basically been a West Coast boy my whole life, born in Vancouver, raised in mostly BC, Alberta, bit of time in Saskatchewan, and then uh, back to BC. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a BC boy, I guess. And uh, yeah, just really, uh, we've been in Kelowna now for the last, uh, almost 20 years um, and uh, just really enjoying uh, life here. We're very fortunate. Our family, my my kids are grown and I have grandkids and, but they all got really good careers and, and could stay in the area. And so uh, we're, we don't take that for granted. We, we enjoy great relationships with all of our kids. We have three and they're all married and two grandkids and uh Couple grand cats and a grand dog, and uh... <laughs> grand cats and a grand dog. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Um, and on top of that, you're a podcaster and an author and a speaker. And come on, it just keeps going on and on. Tell us a little <laughs> bit more about all this, too. Yeah, well, you know, in my healing journey, I came out of uh, uh, addiction, and, and in my recovery journey, and my healing, what I call healing journey, um, of course, I. Uh, came to faith and in in God and and that changed everything for me, and it was in that healing journey that I learned what my purpose was in life, and, and I, I can't I always tell people don't live by accident, live on purpose. And so uh, when I discovered what my purpose was, and it's simply this: it's to be an encourager. I had the purpose of encouraging others, and I realized that I could do that in many different forms. In different ways, and so that's kind of what's developed over the years. I, I was part of a youth work that we had a youth center and youth housing for runaways. I've uh, run on nonprofit agencies, uh, co-created a program called the Heroes Program that, and it is in the school system, but it's uh, basically character education, but from the inside out. So we we see the value in the kids, and we help them. I always tell people. You're not broken needing to be fixed. You're valuable needing to discover it. Mm. And so we try to, uh, that's what I try to do every day. I just came today. I was doing some teaching at a recovery house for women and and uh, was able to encourage them around uh, how to break out of shame patterns and whatnot. So that, that's I, I dedicate my life to that. And so I do speaking workshops. Uh, I wrote a book called Relationship Matters. Uh, one of the Ta-da. things that's really, really happened uh, in the COVID was 
I, I, you know, COVID's been called lots of things, but I called it the great revealer. It revealed what was already cracking beneath the surface and relationships are in crisis. Mm. And I believe that everything flows out of relationships. So if they're in crisis, other parts of our life are in crisis, mental health, um, uh, you know, our jobs, our work, our, our neighborhoods, our churches, our everything yeah. is out of sorts when our relationships are out of sorts. And so I really got, I don't know what happened, but it was more than ever this deep passion to wanting to help people uh, create healthy relationships and organizations and families to create healthy relational culture in their home. And so the subtitle of this book is The Essential Blueprint to Building Strong Families and Healthy Relationships. And that is kind of my jam. That's everything I do comes from that place. And so that's my story. Sticking to it. Beautiful. Talk a little bit about this new season for you as a dad um, with adult children. What is something that was something you learned that you didn't expect to learn? And maybe what's one of the challenges now as you've switched into this new role with adult yeah. kids? That's a great question. I, I, one of the discoveries was, and I, and I say this often is if you want to be their friends when they're kids, you won't have them as friends when they're adults. But if you're their parent, their father, when they're kids, I now enjoy great friendship with my kids. And we have great times together. We love to hang out and just chat about nothing. We can just be in each other's presence. We just enjoy each other's company. And I think that's the biggest takeaway. We have to understand the the, the changes in our parenting, our fathering our, our our fathering needs to change as the children grow up. And so, you know, you've probably heard the three f- phases of parenting. One is the f- early is cop, right? We got to make sure that they know what is good for them and what's not good for them. And and then the second phase is coach. So when they get into preteen, adolescent, you know, teenage years, then we need to start to actually become more of a coach than a cop because we just drive them away if we try to police them. Uh, and then and then uh, the last phase when they turn into adults, so the phase I'm enjoying now is consultant. So it, the, the hard part was learning not, that they didn't need my opinion on everything that was going on in their life yeah. anymore. It was I had to let go. I had to let them grow up and, and find and discover and trip and fall on their face just like I did. And, of course, as parents, as, da- as a dad, I wanted to save them from that hardship. But it was actually the hardship that shaped me. Now, that doesn't mean I cause hardship as a dad. It means that I'm a soft place to land when they go through that hardship. And so it's learning that balance of of building relational equity so that you're the person they come and ask. And I often talk about relational equity. It is it is found in quantity time, quality times found within quantity time. So that time you spend with your kids when they're little and and investing in them pays off big time when they're adults. And uh, and so I really encourage dads to get their head around that a little bit. It's hard for maybe men to express emotionally. Uh, you know, they we don't do quite as good as mom sometimes at being that nurturing self. Uh, but I really believe fathers are designed to be nurturers, that we can nurture our children, but we don't have to coddle them. We don't yeah. have to, you know, uh, enable them. We can we can actually 
show compassion, but still be uh, firm. And, uh, you know, the, interesting, the word uh, discipline, actually, the derivative comes out of the word disciple. So really, a dad's design, we're designed to disciple our children. It's to make followers out of them, to help them uh, make good decisions in life. And too often, I think dads try to make decisions for their kids and don't ever let them find out the power of making a good decision. And because you're going to have to go through a, bad, a few bad decisions before you get to the good ones. And so it's really hard as a dad to watch that. But I would just suggest be the soft landing. You don't have to be the harsh uh, surveyor of purveyor of their lives. What about the whole empty nest syndrome for you and your wife? How does that feel when fine, finally every everyone made their exit and the house is quiet? What did that yeah. feel like for you guys? Yeah, it it was hard. Uh, it was hard because we were so relational. Um, and I think the hardest part was the fact that we did a good job at helping them make good decisions. So all of a sudden they don't need us. Yeah. And it was that need to be needed thing that's in everybody, I think, that that really ate at me in terms of the, you know, do they do they still love me? Do they even care about me? Like, you know, uh, almost like we're all, mom and I are almost like obsessively texting them and they're like, uh, we're busy. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, we have careers here. We're yeah. we're kind of busy. And it's like, yes, OK, we got we, I realized, you know what, I've got to let them fly. If I don't let them fly, I've really failed in my job. And so I had to deal, actually, it helped me do some more healing because I had to look inside myself, what in me needs to be needed so badly with them? Why do I need acknowledgement from them? Why do I need affirmation from them? And if you think about it in our lives, we look for that acknowledgement in all kinds of places, but our children bring another level to it. And I think that I I had an insecurity that was still there even after all my healing journey that was still there that I needed to be needed. And, and uh, that got dealt with in me and uh, still once in a while it pops up. But um, for the most part, it's, that was the hardest part of the empty nest syndrome. The other thing was, is Sandy and I had to rebuild our relationship in some yeah, ways right. because it was put on the back burner. And now all of a sudden it's her and I, and uh, there was no hiding yeah <laughs> in the busyness of the kids sports yeah. and things and so uh you know it made me realize boy i could have done a lot more work as when the kids were kids uh to bring us to a better place so i gotta admit the, that the first little while you know there was some tension in our marriage that we hadn't felt in a long time and we just realized it was because there was no distraction or there was no uh out uh for us and uh I got, I got to tell you a story, which is just uh, an encouragement to everybody, but also was such a blessing to me. One of the things that helped me greatly. So our oldest and the second child were out married, gone. The, the third one was in her teens. She was 16 or 17 or somewhere in there. I think 17. And Sandy and I were feeling some of that emptiness because the two were gone. And uh, you know, although Jenna was still there, there was a, a season where there was just some unspoken uh, pressure. Um, you know, it, it was a little tense. It wasn't like fighting or, you know, what it could have been or what it used to be when we were younger and in not in a healthy place. But there was tension. You couldn't, you, you could cut it with a knife some days. So our youngest must have gone to the other two and said, uh, one of them particularly and said, can I come live with you for a while? 
the house is tense. I don't want to be here. Well, what's going on? Well, mom and dad are just like, you know, cold, short, cold shouldering each other. And it just doesn't seem like, I just don't like it. It feels tense here. So they said, you're welcome to come, but we're going to come over. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. They ring the bell. I go and answer the door, like, like literally getting ready for bed, come and answer the door. And here's the two oldest. And they come in and they say, we're having a family meeting. <laughs> and and so we get into the living room and and I wake Sandy up. She was already in bed and she comes out and and says, we got to have a meeting. We grew up in a loving, caring home that was full of love. And you guys, whatever, we don't need to know what it is, whatever it is that's going on with you, Jenna deserves to have the same experience. Why or what, whatever is going on with you to fix it because Jenna is not doing well. And I, Two things, like, first of all, right to the heart, right? Yeah. Like, it was just so powerful. And, of course, we uh, we agreed, you know, that we were going to talk to each other. Of course, Sandy and I on the inside are laughing because we're, you know, this is the byproduct of our good job is that we're now being held accountable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're being held accountable. So we ended up uh, uh, working through it, figured out what it was, and, and everything was fine again. But what spoke to me was is that they had the courage and the ability to come and hold us accountable. Mm. We're the parents, they're the kids, but they had the, whatever we did right, we did, we we equipped them that they were able to humble themselves enough to come and actually challenge us and, and to hold us accountable. And we were humble enough to receive it. And so that told me that in that moment, it told me, you know what? We've done our job. We've done it well. We can release them. We don't have to hold on anymore. Yeah. And it really took us to another level in our relationship as well. Sandy and I, were, our communication improved greatly after that. And we have now found us, we have found a rhythm of uh, our youngest got married during COVID 2020. Uh, but she was already out of the house for a couple of years, uh, you know, through college and stuff. And we have learned, we've gotten a rhythm now of our relationship that we really enjoy our companionship. And, and so that's awesome. But I, I tell that story to say, did, where, how did that come about? It was because mom and I taught them not to let issues burn in the background. And here they were coming to hold us accountable to what we taught them. Mm, I love that. Isn't that I great? That. It's a, yeah. such a great story. It, it, it was just, it really did something in my heart and it cleared, cleaned out that insecurity that I was still wrestling with because nice. I realized these, these guys are amazing. And so, yeah. So it's exciting. It's nice yeah. to see them equipped and they have the tools and the knowledge that you yeah. and your, and your, and your wife have demonstrated over the years. It's nice to see them and also play the card back to you where, you know, you would teach that lesson when they were young yeah. And now they're coming back to teach you. Right. That's a that's a nice moment. I tell I tell dads all the time, especially young dads with young children. I always tell them, your kids' job is to invite you to do yours. Oh, say that again. Say it again. Your kids' job is to invite you to do yours. I like that. Yeah, and yeah. so that's really if they're acting up, if they're acting out, if they're driving you crazy, they're actually inviting you into a deeper relationship with them. They're inviting you They're They don't have the, the um, uh, processing ability yet in their brain to understand the emotions they're feeling. So they're just expressing, it just all comes out honestly, authentically, and sometimes messy, but it's really, they're, they're inviting you to do your job. 
and that is to come alongside them. I always say before you direct, uh, before you direct or correct, you you actually need to connect. So if you, as dads, we want to connect with our kids relationally, even if that's uncomfortable for you, you're not used to it, that if you want to do some work towards fatherhood, work at getting comfortable connecting with your children. And that might be, I would suggest that might be around their interests more than it is you trying to make them get in your interests. Although there's value in, you know, building something together or, you know, if there's something you're interested in to invite them to join you in that interest. But for the initial connection to start that relationship development, you need to do something that they're interested in. I went to my son's hockey practices at five in the morning for years. I went to every game, uh, you know, uh, and I and I realized I took a life lesson out of it. He was a goaltender, and I, you know, I could equip him. I could buy the equipment. I could be there and cheer him on. I could be a cheerleader. Uh, I could give him some pointers in my observations. But the one thing I couldn't do is go on the ice and play it for him. Right. <laughs> yeah. I had to. And my heart, my my emotions lived and died on every shot because it either went in or it didn't. And <laughs> yeah. so it's like. You know, and, and it was just such a life lesson for me about parenting because we can't live their lives for them, right. but we can cheer them on. We can direct them. We can give them some correction, uh, corrective course correction. We can encourage them. We can cheer them on. And I would suggest that's the greatest thing to do. Encourage means to encourage. So you give yeah. them courage. Yeah. And so that's what I came to realize was that that, you know, that quality time. I used to get teased. I, I took my kids to school and picked them up when I could. Uh, most of the time, I, I built my schedule around it. And I would get teased from some other friends and whatnot, like you're coddling your kids. Why are you giving them rides? They can take a bus or walk like, you know, you had to do. And I said, no, 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 that's my relationship time. Mm-hmm. My ability, my the drive home from the high school when they were teenagers was where we got all the talking done. And that's where we got, you know, and it was, it was, it was my time with them alone. And uh, that's why the practices and the, whatever the rides there and back were the times that I got to spend. And I believe that those times became, they became very intentional for me. That's where I'm going to find out what's going on in their hearts. That's where I'm going to find out what's going on in their heads and, and whatnot. And so, yeah, I always, you know, so what we want to do is we want to connect before we direct or correct. Because with the connection, the relational connection, we can hold them to account for a lot of things. But without relational, if we just correct all the time or just direct, what happens is they lose their motivation to do it for you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, my kids didn't do things because I asked them to, but just simply because I was their dad, although that's enough of a reason, it was because I had connection with them and they wanted to do it. And so um, that was a big piece of being a father was, was taking that time and building those things. So for two dads with grown children out of the house, let's talk to the dad. That's going to be a dad this week. Yeah. Talk about, go back in time, way back, rewind. Yeah. Um, the first time that the doctor called you dad or the nurse called you dad, someone not related to you mentioned to yeah. you that, you know, Hey dad, are you ready? Are you okay? That kind of thing. How did that feel to hear those words for the first time as a, as a, as a new dad? You know, for me, it was both um, exhilarating and terrifying. Yeah. 
the sense yeah. of responsibility. Uh, you know, you, you're talking about a guy when my firstborn was born, who was an addict. I was an addict. I was not doing well in life. It was a catalyst, in fact, for me to actually, when I looked at my little boy in my hands for the first time, something in my heart came alive that was never there before. Nice. And I realized that I, I have a responsibility, so it terrified me. But I was exhilarated to think, I've got to give this kid better opportunities than I had. I have to make sure that I course correct the the, the, the things that my dad didn't do. And it couldn't just be that. But at that stage, at that initial stage, that's what I was feeling. And then I found out, you know, the more I tried not to be my dad, the more I became my dad. And so <laughs> I had to course correct. But I'm saying in that initial time when I looked at this little treasure, I, I could not believe my eyes and the overwhelming sense of responsibility uh, really uh, overtook me. And it was the catalyst of the start of me starting to ask questions. What am I doing with my life? Why am I in this trapped in this situation? What it started me becoming aware and awareness always brings choice. And so uh, I would, I credit my son quite often with, with being the catalyst that changed my life. And I hear that from a lot of parents who have been struggling and then they have a child. Now it's not enough just to be the catalyst to start the change. I had to work really hard to make the change complete. Yeah. And I'm very grateful today. He he says he doesn't remember the bad dad. He only remembers the good one. Nice. And, uh, and, and so that's very, very bless, a blessing to me. Uh, he, the next child came along four years later and I was, I had, I had, I had not started my healing journey right away with, with the firstborn, but it it got was the catalyst that got me looking at things. By the time the second came along, I was started my healing journey. I was well on the way with my healing journey, and then when the last kid came, I was, you know, already in leadership and moving into uh, helping others and encouraging others. I was living out my purpose, and so uh, it's interesting because the three kids all have different things that they deal with now as adults based on my parent, my dad, my fathering on the phase that I was in when they were certain ages. But yeah. one, one thing that I, I did do that I, I always recommend to dads is as they were coming into the preteen uh, and, and what we would call tween age, uh, early teenager years, like, so I would say 10 to 13, I spent concentrated time with them as they became into that age and and so and that concentrated time was what i call intentional time where i was connecting with them to find out what's going on in their heart and their mind uh creating that that strong connection and helping them through because between 10 and 13 14 15 are critical years uh that they really need that support and i felt like connection was going to help me far greater than me just trying to protect them from the harms of the world. Now, remember, this is an at that point a recovering addict who who knew the damage that could be done in the out in the world. Like I was part of that damage, and so I was terrified that my kids were going to go in the same path. It was going to be a you know a consequence of my decisions or whatever. And so I worked overtime at making sure I had connection with them and, and I contrasted and I was very transparent with them with, about my journey. Um, I often say to parents and especially dads, one of the, I, I made a lot of mistakes as a dad, 
one of the things I did well was I always was able to admit when I was wrong. So I could go to them and say, you know what, dad yelled at you there and I scared you and I shouldn't have done that. And I apologize for doing that. But it's also not okay the way you talk to your mom or it's not okay, you know, yeah. doing what you did. Yeah. Could we work together on help, you know, making sure our behavior honors each other? And and so we were able to, by doing that, I was able to get us working. And so I gave them permission early, which is interesting because that story I told yeah. later on, yeah, yeah. I gave them permission early to actually hold me accountable if I, if they were ever scared of me because I was a very angry guy when I was in my addiction and in my healing journey, there was still some things I had, I still thought like an addict. And so, uh, especially our son, he, he experienced a lot of my anger. And so I said, I don't want you ever feeling scared of dad. And so can, I'm going to give you permission to tell me when you're feeling scared and I will work on reframing and changing my tone and whatnot. And, and, and that seemed to work well. And please don't hear me hear that I was perfect in all this. I made, tons of mistakes but my 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 what the kids will the adults now will say is that dad was always able to take responsibility for when he messed up and that has given them the permission to do the same yeah so like going back to the hospital again too like you're handed this new life and um they release you to go home and you walk out going that's <laughs> it like there's no i don't have to sign a form there's no test I don't have to prove that I'm a good dad. Like you guys trust me, license. right? Yeah. So yeah, compared to a driver's license where you have to prove your skill, someone yeah. sits beside you with a clipboard, they put you through your paces and they determine yeah. if yes, you're good enough to drive or no, you got to yeah. go practice. There's yeah. nobody that does this for dads. No. So if you, if we could create this mark together, that there's some kind of test that we have to do. Yeah. And you, as the instructor with your fancy clipboard and your pen, you get into the car and you're like, okay, or you get into the situation, let's do your dad test. What kind of yeah. things would you put on the dad test to help a new dad in that moment to say, demonstrate to me what you think a good dad is? What kind of things would you have on the test? What a great question. Um, number one, have you dealt with your dad wounds? Mm. have you what have you done to deal with your dad wounds your father wounds um who in your life is a good example of fathering who in your circle could help you if you needed it in fathering that would be another question i better have a name to get the check mark i better have okay. a few names yeah. on there yeah um um you know uh Am I am I, I would am I am I ready to commit to this child's life? It's a lifelong commitment. Right. Am I am I willing to sacrifice what is required? In my case, I had a '72 Barracuda that won trophies in the World of Wheels, and when Justin got to be three, he was kicking the back seat. I had to sell that car. I couldn't, you know, you couldn't get him in and out the car seat and. It was uncomfortable for him. And and mm -hmm. so that was one of the sacrifices that I had to make. One of the first ones that was really hard. I didn't want to. I fought it. I wrestled it. I complained about it. I'm sure probably unconsciously I made him feel guilty for it. Um, but it was like, you know, I had to sacrifice. I have so many, I see so many dads 
you know, uh, they don't stop their patterns of like hunting with buddies and doing all these things. Now, I'm not saying that you have to get rid of everything, but I am saying you better focus your attention on that little one. So that would be on what are you willing to give up Hmm. in order to have this child and be a good dad? At what point did you feel like you earned the title of dad? Um, Or have you? I, I have. Okay. I, I believe that um, for all the reasons I've already mentioned, I think that I've earned that. Um, but mostly, I think it was the first time my kids, when they were probably in their teens, uh, where I overheard them telling another kid in, in their teens uh, that they had an awesome dad. Gee, there. It right. wasn't even, they didn't say it to me, they were saying it to somebody else. And I overheard it and I thought, hmm, okay, maybe I'm doing something right. Uh, I would say also just the connection I have with each of them. It's, yeah. They're all individual uh, because I spent individual time. They're all different, different personalities, different insecurities, different struggles, um, but they're different. And so I have a very unique relationship with each of them. Yeah, because I'm thinking of the dad that's waiting in the hospital waiting room today. And sometime this week, they're going to be given that title of dad for the first time. Yeah. Right. And then when do you feel like you earn that title? Because you're given it. It's given to you. But there's a matter of being given to you and then living up to it. And I like the idea of that, of some of those questions you'd have on your dad test. That's, That's good. I like that. Yeah. The other question would be, are you willing to fail forward? Hmm. Like, in other words, are you willing not to ever give up just because you make mistakes? Those mistakes don't define you. What you do with the mistakes is what's going to define your parenting. So, uh, you know, young dads, like if you're just terrified, if you're actually scared and and uh, that's a good sign. If you're que-sera-sera about it and you, yeah. oh, well, mom will look after it, then get your head out of your butt and start yeah. to think differently because uh we in our society we've lost the father role in many cases yes. and, yep. and i think it's been part of the problem with society today i think there's a lot of confusion out there with children and with young people now with young adults and i think that comes from the fatherlessness that we see in in north america particularly but also you know it's not just fatherlessness in the sense of no father in the house it's it's father in the house, but not being a father is almost more damaging. And uh, and so I'm passionate about this. Like, first of all, yes, you've been given the title, but uh, you know, I'll say this: uh, conceiving a child and giving birth to a child uh, does not make you a father or a dad. It might make you a father because bi- biologically, yeah. but to earn the title dad, you got to. You, you need to invest in that child, build relationship with the child. In spite of what's going on with mom, by the way, the greatest gift you can give your child is by treating your their mother with respect and honor. And that's another whole podcast. But yeah, it's it, it. But it's you know, if we if we saw the value uh, of of a team approach to helping this child flourish, have a flourishing life. Uh, we might be able to have more grace for each other. We might be able to work through problems more easily. Um, what parents often do is they just kind of 
don't deal with anything and they just push it all down because of the busyness of the children, busyness of the family life and business and work and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you're not doing your kids any favors by not showing them how to work through a struggle. That's the beauty of, of, of marriage is that we can, you know, now my kids are married and, and one kid's been married 14 years, the other one 13 years and the other one three years. And, and they are, their, their marriages are thriving, mm. but it's because they had it modeled for them, what it would look like. Even though we had troubles, we let them in on it. <laughs> that in a sense, age appropriate, but we, they, they were able to watch us walk through those problems and struggles. So if you're a young dad and you're about to have a baby, that baby's going to change your life. Yeah. It's, it's just going to change your life. Accept it and then start working proactively. Surround yourself with other dads, other men who are doing a good job. Make sure you get into a community of people who, uh, who you see and witness doing a good job with their kids. Don't get into the crowd of dads who all go and leave the kids behind or right. leave the wife to look after. Uh, get in with the dads that are actually spending time with their kids. Uh, the ones that are at sports games with your other, you know, with yeah, your kids there. Exactly. Because they're investing that time and you're investing that time. Ask for help when you need it. You, you're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. Secondly, make sure that you are, um, you know, that you're creating a safe environment for your children in the home. And, and to do that, you got to work as a team. And so make sure you're investing in your marriage. Um, but, and, and here's a really good point. Your wife's or the child's mom's life's going to change too. And she's more wired for that nurturing and looking after the baby and feeding the baby because you can't really feed it. Yeah. Um, be gracious towards her. Understand that her, she's going to have some maybe postpartum depression. Maybe she's going to, she's going through great changes. Her attention needs to be that baby. So she's not just rejecting you. Right. So get over your insecurity. Yeah. <laughs> right exactly get over that insecurity she's not rejecting you she's focused on what's important uh, what's most important so just join her in that focus and you'll find connection with her in a new way mm. and, and so connect over the baby and uh that is going to be very very helpful and uh, that that can really help you as a dad uh because uh women do have more natural nurturing tendencies with babies so Learn from, ask her, say, yeah. honey, could you teach me yeah. how to be attentive to the baby? Can you teach me how to change its diaper? Can you teach me, like, I want to, I want to do these things like you do them. I want to experience what you're experiencing. Nice. Yeah. That I like how you said a that. Great connection. Yeah. Do them as you do them. I like that. Yeah. Do yeah. it together. Yeah. Smart. Mark, talk a little bit about your your podcast as well. I've been listening. I'm enjoying it, being part of your community. Yeah, talk a little bit about that as well and what, who you're serving. Yeah, uh, the podcast, the same title as the book. It's Relationship Matters, but the subtitle is Empowering Conversations. So I interview people who, who are either specialists because they experienced something, they overcame something, or because they've literally uh, studied on it and they know they have knowledge. And so I interview, and these are all kinds of relationships. My uh, my relationships talk, uh, podcast, Relationship Matters, isn't just about uh, marriage or just about parenting. It's actually even at work. How do you relate to others? And how, and the biggest thing is how do you relate to yourself? So there's, there's also some of that in there as well. And uh, 
yeah, so I just have different guests on and, and we just communicate and talk about uh, different aspects of relationships. Amazing. Awesome. Uh, Mark, we're going to be having you on some of my other shows as well on how to podcast, which is going to be great. I'm going to have you on living in the next chapter to talk about your book. So we're going to get a whole bunch of Mark, which is great. We (laughs) we need more of that in our, in our day. So um, lots of times for people to connect with you across the different shows that I'm hosting. And thank you for being available to do that. Um, As far as connecting with you, Mark, where do we go? How do we do all that? Where do we go? Yeah, it's pretty easy. It's just markgordon.ca. CA is Canada. So uh, www.markgordon.ca and everything's on there. Uh, My podcast gets, uh, it's got a link to the podcast in there. Uh, It has all my social media contact points. It also has a couple of nice little uh, things on there. One is a free subscription to a newsletter and I send out weekly tips and stuff about relationships, reminders, some content, some videos, things like that. And then um, I also have on there a three-minute test. It's called Blind Spots. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a certified blind spot navigator, and it helps your relationships when you know what your blind spots are. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's a three-minute test you can take for free, and it, and it gives you the results uh, instantly. And it will tell you your strength, your kind of personality style, and then it tells you the strengths that come from that. And then it shares potential blind spots and then some relational tips on how to uh, apply that to relationships. Because a lot of times you don't know what you don't know. And so sometimes we can be defensive or insecure. And that insecurity and defensiveness comes out in our relationships. And we don't know why. And and so uh, it's a three-minute test that actually answers a lot of questions. Um, and then uh, I get sent the results as well. And I'll send you an email with some encouragement and, uh, and whatnot. And that gets you into my orbit. So that's it. <laughs> we talked about the clipboard and you sit, sitting down with a dad. There you go. There's a nice There's little a good, thing yeah. you can do right there and you can get some time with Mark as well, which is... Uh, yeah, if you're a, a new dad, bonus. take that blind spot test. You'll you'll see what to watch out for. And uh, it also helps you understand others, your spouse and others, when you start to see the different styles of relation, of, of blind spots and personality styles, you start to see, oh, that's why they do that. And then it and takes then the personal take, piece out. Take those results to your partner and say, look what yeah. I found out about myself. Exactly. And that'd be like, yeah, I've known that forever. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Sure. Awesome, Mark. That's a great resource. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to having you back uh, on the other shows. And we'll link them all together so you can just follow Mark's journey and hear all the goodness of Mark Gordon here on the podcast. So, uh, Mark, thank you for making time in your busy Thanks. day to be here. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate it. Great conversation. I love talking to you, Mark. Awesome. Talk to you later. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening to Dad Space today. I'm so thankful that you were here for this episode. If uh, you like the show, please let another dad know. Hey, <laughs> that kind of rhymed. Anyways, uh, share the episode out with somebody in your circle who would love Dad Space. That means so much to us here for our guests who donate their time to be on the show. And we just want to see this grow. So, again, another rhyme. Oh, wow. Anyhow, <laughs> um, I think I need to write a song or something. Thank you for being here for with Dad Space. And again, looking forward to the next episode. Look forward to having you here again with us. And if we can help you in any way, 
If you have a great guest idea for the show, a topic that we would, you would love us to cover, we would love to do that here on Dad Space. So thanks for listening and thanks for being part of the community. And to you, Dad, thank you for listening and thank you for sharing Dad Space. Catch you on the next one. Take care.